step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hello there, this is our pre-American Thanksgiving edition of Parenting Your Challenging Child. That's the post-Canadian Thanksgiving edition of Parenting Your Challenging Child. Um, Dr. Ross Green here, coming to you live from the offices of Lives in the Balance in rainy and soon-to-be-snowy Portland, Maine. Um, Of course, no one can complain about snow more than Susie, who is in the snow belt in upstate New York and only got a few feet over the last week, but that's a lot less than a lot of other people got in upstate New York. Susie, how are you? Good morning. Well, thanks. You folks certainly are hardy up there, up in upstate New York, but as I understand it, there are people who got it a lot worse than you did, eh? That's exactly right. No, it's a great group of people, neighbors helping each other out, strangers helping each other. Um, It's really a wonderful place to live. Snow dumps bring people together, sort of shared suffering, yes? Yes. Um, and uh, what's the most anybody got in your area? Oh, gee. Um, the uh, seven feet was was a number that I had heard, but don't quote me on that. Ridiculous. Even yeah. if it wasn't quite seven feet, that's ridiculous. Yes? It's a lot of snow. And yet... Um, I'm sure people are still going about their business and just digging out. Did you have a big melt? I think that it got warm. Is it almost all gone, or is there a lot left to go? Uh, Depending on where you live, uh, ours is melted, but the people who really got dumped on with the snow, are um, there's potential for flooding. It's very warm today. Wow. Um, Well, there you have it. Um, seven feet in some places, two feet in yours, but here you are ready to help people talk about their behaviorally challenging kids as the voice of experience. Let me give the call-in number, 347-994-2981. We do not have any callers to start off here, but we have a lot of email to get through. So um, shall I start with one? Absolutely. Here we go. 
At age three, my son was sent out of the classroom every morning at around 9 a.m. because he refused to put down the Legos and join circle time. I'm just going to pause there. Um, Now I'll keep going, but something tells me I should pause when we talk about sending a three-year-old out of the classroom because he's refusing to put down the Legos and join circle time, but I'll keep going now. So he ended up spending the rest of the day with the principal of the school unit I was uh, uh, of the school unit. I was notified of this at day 30. I feel that I need to pause again because having a 3-year-old spend the day with the principal because he refuses to put down the Legos and join circle time just merits another pause. I called a meeting with the preschool teachers and administration to discuss what could be done to work on behavior modification. They said they would continue to do what they had been doing, so I pulled my son out and taught him at home for the past two years. My son is a sweet, caring, loving, and affectionate boy who is somewhat shy. He does, however, react aggressively when people tell him no and yell at him. For instance, he threw his shoes at the teacher today as he started a new preschool two weeks ago. Then he ran out of the school three times and hit the director, so he was expelled. At age five, I believe he has learned from these experiences and that if he behaves inappropriately, he gets to go home and be with mom, which is what he wants. Boy, is this an interesting email. But I work full-time, so this is causing some major problems for me. Um, Yet... Thankfully, I edit and write from home for the most part, yet I have to watch them all day and then do my other work at night and catch up over the weekend if I don't have my 40 hours in. My husband and I take away technology as a punishment. Timeouts and spankings do not work. Um, Our oldest child is eight. He is oppositional at home, but he is great at school. I think we are seeing the reverse of that in our youngest. What can, I, what can my husband and I do to help my younger son improve his behavior so he can participate in a normal school setting without being defiant? What can we do to build a bridge with educators at his next school as we are moving in December? I cannot keep homeschooling him. Um, one thing's for sure, we do get some interesting stuff on this program. Um, mind if I take the first stab at this one, although I'm sure you have some thoughts too. Be my guest. We've got a kid here who at age of three was being sent out of the classroom for refusing to put down the Legos and join circle time. We have a kid who um, was then homeschooled for two years. We then have a kid who um, whose mom believes that... Um, He's learned that if he behaves inappropriately, he gets to go home and be with her, which is what he wants. So that's, I'm going to start there. Uh, I don't know if he's learned that, but I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if he's learned it, but I'm not sure that that's the lesson he's learned. It's possible that the lesson he's learned is that at preschool, um, they don't focus on solving problems at this preschool. They focus on um, punitive interventions that they believe will end spending the day with the principal. 
So number one, who could blame the kid for not wanting to be at preschool? But that's maybe what he's learned. Preschool's not for me. Now, by default, maybe being with mom is for him, but it sounds like mom has some concerns about that. But I don't know if the main way that I would summarize um, this child, this sweet, caring, loving, affectionate, somewhat shy boy's preschool experience is that he's learned that he wants to be with mom. I think he's learned that he doesn't want to be at preschool and mom's the other choice. Nothing against mom, but um, if I was three years old and if I was having difficulties and had problems that needed to be identified and solved, and the only response to that was that I would get sent out of the room and then end up spending the rest of the day with the principal, um, yeah, he's learned something, but I'm not sure that what he's learned is that he wants to be with mom. Okay. Um, but here's the other interesting thing. Um, our mom, the emailer, is also primarily punishing. She's not using timeouts and spankings anymore because those do not work. But to tell you the truth, the only intervention that is in this email is punishment. And while there are some kids who respond to punishment, and while there are some kids who respond to rewards, it doesn't sound like this sweet, caring, loving, affectionate, somewhat shy boy who reacts aggressively when people tell him no and yell at him is a punishment responder. In which case, I'm going to recommend that mom take the guided tour in the parent and families section on the Lives in the Balance website and um, identify lagging skills and unsolved problems that seem to apply to her son because simply punishing him doesn't seem to be working. And then once those lagging skills are identified and, Mom, you've got the right lenses on, and you've got those unsolved problems identified, so you know what you're working on. You'll have to prioritize those unsolved problems because you can't work on everything at once. And then as you move through the guided tour, you will learn how to solve problems collaboratively, and that is what I fervently hope will take the place of what has been the status quo, at least as described in your email, for your son. I fear... I'm not going to say anything about your son because I don't know him, but I've seen many sweet, caring, loving, affectionate kids who were somewhat shy but didn't do well with no and being yelled at become a lot less sweet, caring, loving, and affectionate when all they're on the receiving end of is punishment in response to things that punishment is unlikely to fix. Susie, I'm sure you have some thoughts as well. I do. I I think you mentioned it in one of the earlier editions of The Explosive Child, um, something to the effect that you never stop to think that the message will never get through, that because you're punishing the child, it, it's never going to fix anything. Um, and punishment takes time. CPS takes time, collaborative and proactive solutions take time, but not as much time as punishment. It, in fact, ends up saving time. And um, I also 
thought that she should keep a log for a week and um, keep track of what unsolved problems keep popping up and use the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems and prioritize those problems, working on only two or three at a time and putting the rest on the back burner and making an appointment with her child trying to spend 15 minutes a day solving problems together. Um, I'm, I'm so glad you brought up the time issue. Um, this, the, both the folks at the preschool who were having the kids spend the entire day with the principal, that's an enormous amount of time, and mom, who's now homeschooling her son, which is not only taking up a lot of time, but also putting a major dent in her work schedule, which she then has to make up for later, um, all compelling proof for the fact that um, Plan A, punitive intervention, punishment, takes a mammoth amount of time. Many people, when they think about the time element, think about how long it takes to say, go take a time out, which only took about one and a half seconds, versus how long it takes to do plan B, which, once it's rolling, might only take 10 to 15 minutes longer in the beginning. So go take a time out does take less time to say, or go to the principal's office does take less time to say than 15 to 20 minutes of plan B. Boy, look at the amount of time people are spending because of that 1.5 seconds. So I guess it depends on what it is you're looking at in terms of time. This is a very time-intensive kit at this point. Uh, that's a pretty time-intensive 1.5 seconds. I also wanted to add that just because he's having challenging behavior, is proof positive that there's demand for those lagging skills. And we have to understand what's getting in this child's way. That's what behavior is. All behavior is, is the signal that the expectations that have been placed upon a kid have outstripped the skills the kid has to respond adaptively to those demands and expectations. We often make more of behavior than it really is, but all behavior is, is the signal. I'm glad you brought that up, too. Susie, we have a caller. In fact, two now. So Great. let's, um, we always uh, take, have, give priority to callers on this program. So let's go to our first one, who is in area code 905. Uh, let's see if the technology is going to work here. Please work. We don't want the same thing to happen as happened a few weeks ago where we got cut off. Okay, the technology can be balky, but area code 905, you're on the air with Ross and Susie. How are you today? I'm great, thanks. How are you? I am well. Um, what's on your mind? Um, basically, I've been listening to uh, your podcast, and it's been really helpful, so thank you so much. But where I'm struggling um, with the model with my 13-year-old is it's, you know, it's, it's so much of it, it's based on being able to have a conversation with the child. And my son, he does uh, have some Asperger's and, you know, different issues like all these kids have. And with him, 
the second doesn't matter how diplomatic I am, how you know back end I try to approach it. Um, he knows when I'm trying to get at something, and his hands go over his ears, and he says, "Stop, stop." So I can't have that conversation with him. It's so frustrating because I believe in the model. I believe um, if I could have that conversation with him, we could get so far. And every once in a while, once in a blue moon, um, when it's been a very minor issue or something, I I have made it work. But for the most part, and to get at the the really important stuff, the hands go over the years, and I just get stop, stop, and he just shuts me right down. Very frustrating. Yeah. Well, let's see if we can help you out. Um, I'm going to go through the usual list of possibilities. You you may have already, if you've been listening to the programs or reading the books, then you may already be familiar with these, but uh, either for your benefit and or the benefit of other listeners, let's go through the list, shall we? Sure. Um, you want, you want, so I'll start from the very beginning, you want Plan B to be proactive 99% of the time. So if you are doing things emergently, you are greatly reducing the likelihood that a kid will talk. That's pass number one. Pass number two is that you want to make sure that your unsolved problems are worded really well. Mm-hmm. And um, in the paperwork section on the Lives in the Balance website is the ALSIP guide, which is there to help people write unsolved problems well when they're identifying a child's lagging skills and unsolved problems using the ALSIP. Because if people stick with the guidelines that are on the ALSIP guide, and I'll review them briefly, then we greatly increase the likelihood that a child will talk. But if we don't stick with the guidelines, we greatly decrease the likelihood that a child will talk. Um, and so here's the guidelines. We want to make sure that the unsolved problem is worded in a way that doesn't include any challenging behavior. Challenging right. behavior makes the kid um, defensive, makes him think he's in trouble, and therefore reduces the likelihood of talking. After I'm done, I'm going to ask you, are we, are we solid on all of these? Um, guideline number two is that the unsolved problem contains no adult theories, so right. we're not explaining to the kid why we think he has the unsolved problem, just the unsolved problem. The unsolved problem is split, not clumped, which means we're not saying something like, I've noticed that you're having difficulty writing, very clumped. I've noticed you're you're making poor choices, very clumped. We're splitting it so that we're asking about a very specific example of an expectation the child is having difficulty meeting. And the unsolved problem is specific, which means that we're being really clear about the expectation the child's having difficulty meeting and the who, what, where, and when of the unsolved problem. So these are my first two passes at why your child might not be talking. Now, the Asperger's part doesn't necessarily tell me anything because there are many kids with Asperger's disorder who will talk your ears off. So mm-hmm. now let me ask you, are we in the clear on everything I've covered so far? Yeah. I mean, it's always in the moment when it's time to approach the conversation. It's easy to sort of forget, but definitely when I'm um, 
listening to your podcast and whatever, I've, I feel very clear on it. And so I guess my question is, so it sounds like you feel like the guidelines are in good shape. I'm not mm-hmm. quite clear on your timing. Are you doing this mostly proactively? Yes, I, I will only do it proactively now. I've learned the hard way, <laughs> absolutely, not to even bother trying to do it in the heat of the moment Got anymore. It. So now let's, now let's see if we can do some troubleshooting specific to your child because those okay. are the generic, well, not, those aren't generic. Those are among the most common reasons that kids who aren't talking won't talk. Now, let me ask you, what's your theory? Why is he putting his hands over his ears and saying that he doesn't want to participate in this? Um, a variety of things. When I think of it from an Asperger's point of view, that he just he's oversensitive and he feels everything too deeply. He His radar is telling him something painful is about to be discussed, and... It's just overwhelming for him, mm-hmm. so he shuts down. Um, anxiety. So that, are you, okay, I guess what I'm asking is, and I'm, you're answering beautifully, um, it sounds like you think that he thinks that um, we might be about to talk about something that might not be so easy to talk about or could be painful. Um, might he also think, and this is common, not, I'm not too specific to your situation because we don't know you or your son, does he think right. he's in trouble if you're about to talk with him about something? Um, I try to make it so clear that he's not, and it's been, I mean, we've been down that path, you know, like every other parent probably that brings them to your model. Mm-hmm. We've done lots of yelling and punishment and, and everything else, but I feel now that that's well in our past. So, and I and I make it very, very clear whenever I'm bringing something up that, He's not the least bit in trouble. I just really just want to understand what's going on for him so that we can solve it together. And on the times when he does talk, Mm -hmm. have you noticed any difference between talking and not talking as it relates to the conditions in which he's, or the topics on which he is able to participate and the ones on which he isn't? Not on the topics, no. Not on the topics. Anything about the timing? The only thing I do notice is um, when he has talked, and this is true with other things with him as well, is he first has to go through his little shutdown or meltdown or whatever or defiant moment or whatever it is. Um, But then sometimes he'll come around when I back off. Um, And that... So the odd time when he has talked, it has started with the initial shutdown, the initial hands over the ears and um, stop, stop, he says. Um, Then I say, okay, fine, then we're stopping. And I just continue on and do my dishes or whatever I'm doing in the moment. And then, wow, he starts to talk on his own. Got it. So one last potential arena. Um, Then I'm going to ask Susie to weigh in, and then I'm going to, advise you to see if you can talk with him about talking and to see if there are other ways to communicate with him that might help you extract information about why talking is so hard. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you give him advance notice 
of what it is that you'd like to talk with him about. I know you're talking with him about things proactively, but sometimes some kids, even though we're talking proactively, they um, are still surprised by the topic, and therefore um, advance warning is sometimes a very good strategy. How's how's that one uh, stacking up? Yeah, so sometimes I have and sometimes I haven't. I have tried both approaches, and I don't see a clear difference in either one. You know, every once in a while, randomly, he he will talk, but more often than not, I just get to stop, stop. Got it. Susie, let's have you weigh in, and then I'm going to give the standard advice, given that we've now triaged this. Um, and um, mom, it sounds like you are on top of the usual things that would make it difficult for a kid to participate, which means um, we're ready to wheel you into surgery and see if we can um, figure out what's going on here. But Susie, let me give you an opportunity to weigh in as well. Um, I just wanted to reiterate uh, how important it was to give advance notice of whatever topic we wanted to discuss with our son. Um, he was one of those that really appreciated the heads up um, besides the making an appointment with him. Um, And the other thing was that sometimes kids just need permission not to talk. And Mm -hmm. depending on history with the child, um, it's great that you've come around and sort of seen the light that there's a different way to approach a challenging child, um, a different uh, model of care. But sometimes they just need that ability um, not to uh, take part in a discussion. And it's great that you are... um, supplying him with reassurance and that he's not in trouble and you're just trying to understand. That's all fantastic. Well, what I'm actually, uh, I mean, this plays right into the whole advance notice thing. What I'm trying with him now is our, our, we were on a waiting list for a while for family therapy. And I mean, our family consists of just he and I, we're just a a single parent household and I don't have any other kids. Um, So, we just started, we've only been to one session. And I tried to prep him for it by letting him know that this isn't about him. This is about us and the sort of, I didn't use the word dysfunction, but you understand the word dysfunction that goes on between the two of us in the household um, to let him know that I understand that there's things about me that frustrates him and he knows there's stuff about him that frustrates me and we don't do a very good job of just the two of us talking about it. So this is a way for us to have somewhere to go where we have a defined period of time, just one hour, and it's over with the end of the hour. Um, And it's his opportunity if he wants to complain about me, if he wants to even yell at me, if he he can do whatever he wants, use use the hour for however he sees it the most. And I also get an opportunity to talk um, with him about what's going on with him that... Um, causes struggles 
but actually now that I'm thinking, now that I'm talking to you, maybe I should speak to that therapist about if she could do this model with us during the session. That would be fabulous. Yeah. That's a great idea. Well, yeah, and you know what? the reason I like Go that ahead. idea is because if there's something getting in the way of mm-hmm. your son um, talking with you, you know, that's, an, that's a very nice role for a therapist to play right. um, is, you know, bridging the communication gap. The right. only other thing I was going to say is sometimes, and we've talked about this on a few programs, Sometimes in kids that don't talk, we have to take a step back from the unsolved problems that um, uh, are that we really want to talk to the kid about, and talk instead about talking. Um, talk and that would talking. sound like talk about talking. I've noticed that sometimes when I want to talk with you about a problem, that's hard for you. What's up? And sometimes yeah. that can be productive. And then the only other thing I have to say is sometimes, I'm, so number one, I'm glad you have a clinician who might be able to, you know, bridge that for you. Um, but also, um, sometimes we've got to find a different way to communicate. Um, sometimes that's the child doesn't have to respond verbally, but instead can hold up a certain number of fingers to let you know how true something you've said is or a thumbs up, or a thumbs down, or texting, or emailing. Um, The whole goal here isn't necessarily to start off by communicating uh, through language give and take, although, you know, that's everybody's preference because it's more efficient that way. But it sounds like your goal is to see if we can um, get the communication ball rolling and learn as much as we can about why communicating is difficult, and then maybe we can start to make some headway on some unsolved problems. Actually, you know what? That's a really good idea because that's something that he likes to do naturally anyway. Sometimes when he is feeling anxious or is called into a meeting at school to talk to us or whatever, he does, I mean, left to his own devices um, in just sort of a, a normal daily situation, you wouldn't look at him and know that he has any issues at all. His Asperger's wasn't even diagnosed until he was almost 11. Nobody understood what was going on for him because he seemed so, quote, unquote, normal, you know, Um, and yet try to get him in a situation like this, like if he is called into a meeting at school, um, he goes, he regresses right away and he, he, now he's 13, he only just turned 13, um, but when he was younger, like even 11, he would regress to be like a five-year-old and almost crawl under a chair, like behaviors that you just never saw at any other time. And one of the things that he does naturally like to do in those situations is he'll sort of like to play charades instead of using words to talk. He'll start making hand signals and things, and it actually has always really frustrated me. I say to him, you know, I need words. I don't understand that. And we're having a conversation. I need words. So I guess what you're saying is just let him go with that as long as it's communication, right? Well, um, you don't want to be doing that five years from now, but as a no. means of understanding what's 
making it hard for him to talk now. Yeah, I'll take any form of com- he, if he's if he's giving you very little now through linguistic give and take. My attitude mm-hmm. is I'll take what I'll go any way I can to um, get information from a kid, especially about why communicating through my preferred modality words doesn't seem to be going so well for him. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like you've got some good options there, so. Um, feel free to let there. us know years what happens. We're getting there. <laughs> Good. Let you know what and happens. Let us know what happens. Yeah, we, we, we love to get updates on people who've called in to tell us difficulties they're having. And um, good or bad, call us back and let us know how this goes. Okay. Well, thank you very much for your time, and thank you for putting all this information out there. It's been It's been extremely helpful. I'm delighted that you found it. Take care. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Take care. So um, that was interesting, eh? Yes, it was. I was also thinking that maybe she could also get the folks at school on board with the model proactively. Um, might be another helpful thing to do. Yeah, I mean, number one, um, who knows who he will actually talk to. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm not picky about who a kid will talk to. If a kid won't talk to me, I'll take somebody else. That you know, not, nothing lost there. We're looking for info, and we're looking to find ways for a kid to communicate about what's getting in their way, on the problems that are getting in their way. And um, just because we adults prefer words doesn't mean that's going to be how we start communicating with this kid, at least in the beginning. We do have another caller who has been patiently waiting for about 19 minutes now. So shall we? Shall we go to the caller from area code 801? Yes, let's. Here we go. Caller from area code 801, thanks for your patience. You're on the air. What's up today? Hi. Um, I feel a little silly calling because my question is about the same as the previous callers. <laughs> um, I have a son well, who... No, nothing silly um, about that at all, but go ahead. Okay. Um, he's. Um, we've done problem solving enough now that he senses it coming. <laughs> tells me to stop using words like, I wonder if there's a way. <laughs> and um, he's, he's got the pattern down, so when it comes up, um, he he shuts it down. And um, so that's that's kind of what I was calling about with, uh, like, the previous caller. We're just having some difficulty starting the conversations or, or finishing them. Sometimes I, I understand that sometimes we can't get through the whole process in one conversation, but... So we leave it, and then when we come back, he's not real happy about coming back. <laughs> anyway, um, got it. What you so, think? <laughs> let me make sure I understand. Your child is now okay. familiar with the process, and yeah. is not so, so enthusiastic about participating in it. Uh, yes. Sometimes. And is objecting to some of the words that you're using. Yes, he told me the last time we talked that it was annoying when I that I always said things like, "I wonder if there's a way," or "I've noticed that you've had difficulty with." <laughs> Those it. are words that he doesn't want to hear anymore. Got it. And in some in some instances, the kids do either object 
to the language in the beginning, in which case it's fine to switch it up, or start to get tired of it, in which case it's, it's fine to put it in a somewhat different way. Let me ask you this. Is he primarily, what's your sense here? Is it the wording that he's objecting to or the process that he's objecting to? Um, I don't know if I know for sure. Um, we have successfully solved some problems. Um, it's, it's the smaller problems that we've successfully solved. The big ones still seem to be lingering, and maybe he's tired of talking about the same problem over and over again. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, you've just given I, I don't really know if it's hint. a... Okay. Um, well, first of all, you could find out about my question by asking him, is it the way I'm saying it that's bothering you? Is it the solving the problem part that's bothering you? Or is it both? But you've just given us a very important hint. You've had success in solving problems on some of the smaller ones, but keep coming back to some of the ones that aren't solved yet. Is that... Mm-hmm. And on the ones that haven't been solved yet, what's that been like? Because that may be the most important hint you've given us, although it does sound like he might be objecting to the wording a little bit. It also might sound like he's potentially um, tired of talking about things on which there is still no resolution. Okay. Um, So you want to know what the bigger problems is that we haven't solved? You could tell us that. Okay. Um, my Well, my biggest concern is that he keeps himself and everyone else safe because we've had some issues what? with aggression. In the world. My biggest concern for him is that he keeps himself and everybody else around him safe because we've had some issues with aggression in the last few months. Um, so safety. So any, Yeah, safety. So anytime there's a safety issue, I do try to problem solve that with him, not... I try to avoid it in the heat and try and, you know, do it proactively as much as possible. Um, but that's, I think that's something he's tired of talking about, yes. But I don't, well, I, and he, that's a big problem to me. I really want, you know, on my priority scale, that's my number one priority. Safety. Yeah. Yes, there's only one problem with Safety. You can't okay. talk about safety. You can't solve okay. safety. I suppose you could talk about safety, but you can't solve safety. What you can solve are the problems that are leading to him being unsafe. Yes. But I think I think yes. you've helped us out a lot here. If what you're primarily talking about is safety, it's unsolvable. And you need to make a list of the specific unsolved problems that are setting the stage for him to be unsafe. Those are solvable. Safety is not really solvable. You could be talking about safety still three years from now, but since he becomes unsafe in response to a whole, diff- a whole array of different unsolved problems, if what you're primarily talking about is safety, then um, you're actually talking him with him simultaneously about all of those unsolved problems. Now, there's one other possibility. I might have slightly misinterpreted what you said. 
Are you talking with him about safety, or are you talking with him about these specific unsolved problems that are causing him to be unsafe? I try to talk about the specific circumstances, you know, that let that were occurring when there was some safety issues. Like, um, I noticed you had difficulty. One of our re- most recent ones. I noticed you had difficulty changing the sheets on your bed with your brother, um, because that turned into a kicking issue. Um, mm-hmm. But it just since so I try to address it in the in the circumstances that it happened, but, you know, when it keeps, when the safety issues keep happening in different circumstances and we just keep talking about, I, I don't know, <laughs> we just keep talking well, about the different circumstances, right. but the problem is the same in each circumstance. My, my other concern is that it sounds like you may need a list of unsolved problems. sounds like you are going after unsolved problems as they come up even if you're doing it proactively, you're going after unsolved problems as they come up. And okay. it might be more helpful if you thought about the chronic unsolved problems that are setting in motion safety issues most often and prioritize those. Right now it sounds like you're prioritizing by immediate immediacy or recency when you might be better served if you're prioritizing by frequency. Okay. Then you um, I do have an ALSEP. Good. And did so do you have chronic unsolved problems written in on the right hand side? Uh huh. Yes. Um do you have it in front of you? Yes. Read us a few. Okay, um, difficulty with kids at recess not playing fairly on the ball wall game. That's a great one. So uh, do you want another one? Or <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. Um, difficulty getting in van with brothers in the morning. That's a great one. Um, you're wording your unsolved problems very well. So have you tried proactively talking with him about the ones that are most frequently occurring that you've written in on the ALSEP? Because from the sounds of it earlier, it sounded like you were going after the ones that were most immediate and most recent. Have you mm-hmm. gone after the ones that are most chronic and most frequent? Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, those are, those are maybe the ones that we've solved, like getting to bed and staying in bed quietly. I think we solved that one, and that was chronic before. Um, was that a safety issue? Mm-mm. No. Got it. I'm talking about the chronic safety ones, the chronic unsolved okay. problems that are setting in motion safety issues, because those are the ones that it sounds like you might be mostly going after recency and immediacy rather than frequency and chronicity. Okay. Well, maybe this is my trouble, because I don't, I don't know, I can't name a a chronic situation that always leads to safety issues. Now, it doesn't um, have to be always because there's almost no such okay. thing as a 100%er. An unsolved mm-hmm. problem just has to increase the likelihood of uh, a challenging behavior for it to be something you should be working on. Um, okay. So you're not looking for 100%ers because there are almost no 100%ers. You're looking for anything okay. that increases the likelihood. And those, it sounds like um, you could 
name? Yeah, I can name a few. It's um, it's just the safety. I, yeah, the safety issue seemed to not follow a specific chronic problem that I can think of. Maybe I need to I'll think more what. about it and observe Do more. that and try to um, try to do a Plan B this week on a on something that sometimes leads to unsafe circumstances, but is more chronic and frequent and less immediate, and um, let's see how that goes, and you're obviously welcome to call back in again, but um, try to remember it as best you can when you call back next Monday if you want to, and um, we'll see if we can troubleshoot it further for you. Okay. I'll give it a shot. Sound like a plan? (laughs) Yeah. But I think I actually might have the conversation with him first about is it the wording, or Mm -hmm. is it just talking about problems and see what kind of mileage you get out of that as well. Okay. I will try that first. Thank you for calling in. We appreciate it. Okay. Yes, thank you so much. I appreciate your help and your resources and everything you do to help families like us. (laughs) Thank you you so much. Pleasure. Okay. Susie, unfortunately, we are now out of time for today. Um, I hope you have a nice Thanksgiving. Thank you. Same to you. And it's certainly... So nice to hear all those wonderful things about what you and Life and the Balance are doing for families. We do our best. Take care. Take care. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.